I'm going to speak to you today on the subject of generosity. I love this season, the season where most people feel generous, become generous, at least with their kinfolks. They, sometimes they may overdo it even. It's a great season. My happiest memory as a child, I was nine years of age in October of 1965 with my three younger siblings and my parents, we moved to the jungles of Fossima, Liberia, West Africa. And that first Christmas there was unforgettable. They light fireworks there on Christmas Day, celebrating the Lord's birth. Their fireworks that year weren't made in China, they were made in Germany. You talk about some serious fireworks. Forget fuses, just put match heads on your firecrackers and, and your other things and strike them and throw them. It's just awesome. We had a lot of fun with those. And that first Christmas, my dad put on a fireworks show. The natives had never seen anything like that with big galvanized tubs of Kool-Aid, who can say red drink, and popcorn and festivities and rockets and Roman candles and fireworks and these wheels that spin, you nail them on a tree and just uh, amazing things. I think some of those things are now illegal, but uh, it was a glorious time. The whole world loves Jesus on Christmas Day. Somebody said the Jewish merchant's favorite carol on Christmas Day is, what a friend we have in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, um, I'd like to actually look at the context of it by going to the previous book. This year we completed preaching through Acts verse by verse, and in that story, the story of the first church and the first congregations, we see Paul became a believer, became a church planner, and God used him to plant churches throughout an area of the world we now call Turkey or Western Asia, and then into Eastern Europe and Macedonia, Achaia, and Greece. And so at the time of the writing of this letter, he is stationed in Macedonia working with the churches there, and he's writing letters to his churches, encouraging them to give an offering, to, to start a fund, literally, for the believers back at the original church in Jerusalem. They were hurting they were under persecution, uh, not only for being Jews, but even the Jews were persecuting them. Those who were not believers were being Christians. And um, he believed that since that's where our roots are, let's, let's help the mama church. Let's help the believers back where all this began. And so we see the first mention of this to the Corinthians in his previous letter in the last chapter, verse 1, says, concerning the collection for the saints as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, that's in another part of the world, so you must do also. So he's reminding them of something he told them verbally. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be no collections when I come. It's believed that the early church met when Sabbath was over. How can you go to church on the Sabbath when you break the Sabbath laws by walking so far? Right? So 
at, on the, uh, be, the Sabbath being from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, the early church would meet Saturday night. And it was a great time of celebration. They've just completed the Sabbath. Those who were observant Jews and Gentile believers, starting a new week, they had to work all the time, would begin their week meeting with their Jewish brothers and sisters. And so when they came together, he said, hey, let's start receiving funds for this fund. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be no collections when I come. When I come to you, I don't want to have to raise funds. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. All right, whoever you guys deem to be qualified to carry these funds to Jerusalem, they're not going to go and have a big party with it. They're not going to go AWOL and blow all the Lord's money, but they're going to be trustworthy people. Give them some papers, and we'll send the money with them. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. And of course, this desire was fulfilled in Acts 21. All right, over to 2 Corinthians. Before we get into chapter 9, let's just look at a couple verses in chapter 8. He's referring to the same thing. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. So the previous year... It could be 9 to 18 months previously when he sent this first letter. Um, He's reminding them of this collection. Verse 9, But now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also must be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. God loves a cheerful giver, and we give to his causes out of what we have, not what we don't have. We give from a willing mind first. So first the willingness, and then the giving from what we have. Compulsive compassion is not compassion. Socialism, as popular as it is in our day, winds up being compulsive compassion Everybody gets a number and has to wait in line to get their stuff while others are being robbed of their resources. Could it be if believers in America would be more generous that socialism would become less popular? Could it not be? It's possible. Could it be that churches relinquish some of its causes to the state to take care of when meanwhile... Responsibility is our feet to do our part. First, we must have a willing mind, not out of compulsion, but out of compassion, and the resources that we give from. All right, the next chapter, chapter 9, verse 1. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous or unnecessary for me to write to you. For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians. That's where he is that Achaia, that's where they are, was ready a year ago. And your zeal has stirred up the majority. All right, I've been bragging on you guys, and others are beginning to step up to the plate. But he's fixing to remind them, because he says, I don't want to be lying here, all right? Verse 3, yet I have sent the brethren, those that were carrying the letters, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. 
lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. In other words, folks, I hope I'm not lying here, but y'all are generous. Please uh, step up to the plate and begin to operate in what you're called to do. Verse 5, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time. Hence the guys delivering this letter and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. It's not compulsive. Generosity is something we can plan. We can plan as the Lord prospers, we're going to give X amount of dollars. We can plan as the Lord prospers, we're going to give a certain percentage of what he prospers. Uh, tithing is planned generosity. Not going to speak on tithing today, though. We're going beyond that. Verse 6, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, not out of compulsion or manipulation, for God loves a cheerful giver. The word there for cheerful is hilaros. Literally, God loves a hilarious giver. God loves somebody that's happy to give. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God's able to do that. Who would agree? He's able to make us abound and have our needs met and over and above that, an abundance to share with other good works. As it is written, and he quotes from an amazing psalm, Psalm 112, he has dispersed abroad. This is talking about a righteous man. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. The word there for righteousness speaks of character as well as right, right relationship with God and fellow man. It speaks of generosity. It speaks of charity. A righteous person that gives can have a righteousness that is enduring. Now, verse 10, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. In other words, increase the, the harvest of who you are, who God is, and this character of generosity. While, verse 11, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. We're blessed to be a blessing. Can I get an amen? While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Verse 12, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Not only does this fund meet needs, but it's going to give God glory. Verse 13, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the glory, to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. 
You know, when we give, it's related to the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news, God so loved that he gave. He so loved the world, the unbelieving world. You and I, while we were yet in sin and trespasses, his son was sent to pay the penalty for us. And so in like manner, in light of that gospel, we give. While through the proof of this ministry, verse 13 again, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So this gift is a reflection of God's indescribable gift, the giving of his son. This gift is going to meet needs and it's going to give God glory, and you guys are going to get prayer from the believers in Jerusalem. Isn't that awesome? So this plan is continued. Paul even tells other churches about it. In his letter to, Roman, to the Romans, where he had not yet been, he had a plan of delivering this gift and then going to them on his way to Spain. Romans 15, 25, he says, now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia, the Corinthian churches in that region, to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors because of them. They are now believers, right? And of course, in Acts 15, Acts 21, the plan was fulfilled. They are not far from Jerusalem, in Caesarea. Acts 21, 15 says they packed and went up to Jerusalem. The old King James says they loaded their carriages and went to Jerusalem. This was some kind of gift they took. And of course, it seems like sometimes no good deed goes unpunished. Paul wound up getting arrested there. Attempted murder was made on his life, but God preserved him. God preserved him even in his incarceration. Unlike the miracle that happened in Philippi where he was in the dungeon and an earthquake set him free, God allowed him to remain a prisoner uh, for the, the most of the rest of his life. And yet, even in that, there were things to be thankful for. He's a prisoner in the palace in Caesarea. They're on the coast, the Mediterranean, beautiful place. And then the free ship ride where companions were allowed to go with them. And then he was allowed to minister on an island where they shipwrecked. And then in Rome, he's, in a, he's a prisoner, but he's in his own house. He's under house arrest. So God blessed him for his generosity, even in spite of his hardship. Who believes America is a blessed nation? We're blessed. We're one of the most generous nations in the world. And sometimes even in our generosity, it seems like we get punished for it. 26 years ago yesterday, one of the last things George H.W. Bush was part of was called Operation uh, Restore Hope, where he sent 1,800 Marines to Somalia, where they were starving to death. And the Marines went there with Americans' uh, provision and help save them from their family. And then, 10 months later, they came under attack. 
Our Marines weren't there for war. They were there to feed the hungry. And then they, they came under, under attack. And so we were there for another year or two more before we got out of there. Yet America continues to be blessed in spite of us getting spat on by those who do not appreciate what we do. It, to me, it's just an illustration that in this room are probably people that feel they've been taken advantage of. They were generous in the past. They're not going to be generous anymore. And you know something's wrong. The grace of God is moving you. He led you to be here today to hear this word. Some of you are looking at me like I'm setting you up for something. We're not going to pass the plate. I'm not setting you up for anything. <laughs> setting you up to enjoy the Christmas season. Let's pray. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your word would bring life to us and through us. That Granbury, Hood County, and this part of Texas will not be the same as a result of your word going forth. In Jesus' name, amen. We are a people burdened by debt, possessed by possessions, hostage to our own interests, our needs, our wants. We safeguard our time, our money, our lives spending them when and where we want. And the church is no exception. Do we not call ourselves the followers of Christ? Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. In his entire time with us, he did nothing but give himself away to losers, sinners, and traitors. And when we had rejected him, he died for us. If we call ourselves his church, if we hold Jesus' blood precious, we too must give our lives away, all of us. And it's not about getting rich before we become generous. It must start now, or it never will. We are called to radical freedom from the things of the world. And as Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. This is the secret, the marvel, the miracle. When we give up ourselves, we inherit the kingdom of God. Generosity has been defined as the most natural outward expression of an inner attitude of compassion. The word compassion means much more than sympathy or feeling sorry for somebody. It is that, but it's accompanied by a strong desire to relieve pain and to remedy the cause of pain. We have a three-point sermon today. Yes, it's Christmas, right? Feeling generous. Normally I do the top ten list every week. Blessing is withheld from the stingy. We can't talk about generosity without looking at stinginess. Proverbs 11.24 says, There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. There's two lakes in the Holy Land in Israel 
the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee has a river on both sides of it. Everything that comes in is able to go out. It's the lowest freshwater lake on the earth's surface in terms of its elevation. The Dead Sea is lower, but that's not fresh water. Teeming with life, very deep, has acoustical meadows around it where you can talk like this without a PA, and everyone in, in the, within a 50-yard radius can hear you. It's a perfect place for the Son of God to go and preach to multitudes. Yet the Dead Sea, everything that flows into it stays, and it's dead. The air is thick. It's rich. It can be mined. You can sit in it cross-legged, and you don't want your head to go underwater. It'll kill you. It's poison. If you have any cuts on your body that you don't know about, you'll find out about it as soon as you get in that water. But it's dead. It's not alive. There's one who scatters yet increases more. There's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Proverbs 28, 27, he who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes, I'm not being stingy, I just don't see. He who hides his eyes or stops his ears, la, 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 will have many curses. Isaiah 32, the foolish person will no longer be called generous, nor the miser said to be bountiful. If you're a miser, you're eventually going to stop prospering. It probably will start in areas that aren't money, but you're getting ripped off and don't even know it. One day you wake up, what's going on? Blessing is promised to the generous. Proverbs 11.25, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Seed is made to plant. Seed is made to give. You know, don't, don't go planting your bread in in the ground, it won't yield anything. Bread's made for eating. He supplies bread for food and seed for planting. So when you take care of your seed, your seed will take care of you. Proverbs 22, 9. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Isaiah 32, 8 goes on to say, but a generous man who devises generous things, and by generosity, he shall stand. Blessings should increase generosity. Sometimes they don't. You know, some folks are more generous when they're poor than they are when they're blessed. It's like, oh, it's my turn now. No, the, the opportunity to be generous is always with us. We're blessed to be a blessing. We saw that. Praise the Lord, Psalm 112. Remember he quoted from that? We're going to look at the whole psalm. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Keep in mind, charity is part of being righteous. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. So when we live right, even in dark times, 
we're not clueless. We do have some light, and we can continue to be gracious and show compassion to others. A good man deals graciously in lens. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8, his heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemy. Not that he wants him to be killed. He wants him to get right. Here's the verse that Paul quotes. He is dispersed abroad. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn or his strength will be exalted with honor. So it's God's will as his children that we are blessed. Now there are some churches that take what I'm teaching too far and and they use it to, to get money out of people as much as they can and miss the point that it's to be part of our culture, that we are generous people in all things. Churches like that become self-centered, where it's all about the pastor's Cadillac. But then there are other churches, it's all about poverty. They even some One denomination takes vows of poverty. Poverty does not reflect God. Jesus, in 2 Corinthians 8, in the context of these verses, it is said that Jesus made himself poor so that we might be made rich. And we know spiritually that is true, we are rich, we're all millionaires spiritually, are we not? We've been made the righteousness of God. But it is tied into this. You cannot separate the two. It's in the context of these verses. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 talks about this collection. And Paul refers to the poverty of Jesus so that we could be blessed. Laura did an awesome job speaking on this subject last week. And she spoke about sunflowers. In fact, we still have a basket sunflowers here. If you want to get some more, you didn't get any, by all means, get some sunflower seeds. One sunflower is a tremendous testimony to the prosperity of God. One sunflower in one season will produce 1,000 to 2,000 seeds. If it just produced one seed, that would be a 100% increase, right? If it produced 10 seeds, that would be a 1,000% increase. If a sunflower seed produced 100 seeds, that would be 10,000% increase. But 1,000 seeds is 100,000%. The world's banking systems do not compare to God's economy, right? So keep in mind, with the resources he's given you, your time, your gifts, your talents, yes, your money, everything that you have, even your family, you are called to invest those things into the kingdom of God. If your child feels called to go to the mission field, by all means, send them. And don't send them tapes like our family did, bawling and squalling. Oh, we miss you so much. It was such a downer to have to sit around and listen to tapes from grandma. Bawling and squalling. She was not a cheerful giver. In your bulletin are these cards, something unexpected to show you God loves you. 
We have extras up here. We're going to just make this part of our culture this season. Uh, they'll be out on the round table after today. Uh, you want to get some more, get a little stack of them, keep them in your wallet or in your purse. It says, something unexpected to show you, God loves you. And then the flip side, sometimes we just need a little reminder that God sees everything and cares about us. Hoping this little blessing reminds you of God's love and care for you, Generations Church of Granbury. I want our church to be known for generosity. You know, we're known as a church with the candy. You know, the lifesavers out, outside. The reason for the lifesavers is if it falls out of the wrapper or falls out of your mouth, it doesn't leave a syrupy residue for the janitor service have to deal with. Also, if you choke on it, it's got a hole in it. Theoretically, you can breathe through the hole. And it's a picture of Jesus. He is the ultimate lifesaver, right? But I, I, I want us to be the church that's known of members who are generous, who care about people. It can be complete strangers. Maybe in a restaurant, you could pray, Lord, who, who here could I bless? You just look around and the Lord can show you somebody that may really appreciate a meal and just pay their bill too and say, hey, a waiter or waitress, leave this card to them. If you leave this for the waiter or waitress, make sure you tip them good. What do tipped employees make in Texas? $2.13 an hour. A lot of people don't know that. $2.13 an hour. Well, I think that needs to be expunged from the culture. Well, good luck with that. But if you're on that kind of quest, don't leave this card, please. This is a tool to spread the love of God. Let God get the glory for him. It could, you could be, I was at the drive-thru yesterday at McDonald's and paid for the guy behind me or the woman, whoever it was, and said, please give this, this when they come up to pay their bill and give them this card. You can make somebody's day. Maybe somebody's, who knows the world could use a whole lot more hope. A whole lot more, we need to be part of Operation Restore Hope. Yeah, I was generous, but I got burned. Well, don't stop. Don't stop. Because God sees, and there's blessing in representing him. The word generous means to be free. It's an adjective. To be free in giving or sharing. To be noble. The synonym for generous is to be open-handed. And literally, it's free. You know how to trap a monkey? Take a jar or a container or a box or something, maybe as they do in the bush, a gourd, and put a hole in it just big enough for the monkey's hand to get in the gourd. And put candy or food or something the monkey wants to eat in the gourd. The monkey will come along and see the trap, not knowing it's a trap, smell and see the food in there, stick his hand in there to grab the treat, and he will not be able to get his hand out. And he won't be able to be free because he will not open his hand. Could it be that some stress you have in life is the stuff you have? somebody. 
bless somebody. There's such joy. I cannot tell you the joy there is in giving. Recently, I blessed a friend with a motorcycle. I felt guilty having it because I didn't ride it much. Uh, you'd be appalled at how low a mileage the thing was. He paid to have it shipped to where he lived, but it's just joy in that. I could go on with other stories. Uh oh, the latest story that I have that I love this I was at lunch with another local pastor. And a waitress came up and said to me, are you a pastor? Yes, yes. Well, the chef doesn't have electricity at his house. They had to move from where they were, and they got to have X amount of dollars, and they got half the money. I said, how much is it? So I had my checkbook with me, and I just personally paid that. I said, where do you go to church? And the waitress said the name of the church where this guy was. <laughs> I didn't do it to embarrass him. I was asked, right? I didn't reveal his identity. But generosity inspires more generosity, right? Right? I certainly didn't do it to be seen. It just happened the way it was. There's a joy in it. Why? Do football players jump into that big pot in the end zone, the Salvation Army, and get fined for it? Who, who knows where that fine goes? Does anybody know? It goes to charity? All right. Why do they jump in there? Because they're happy. <laughs> they know it's going to cost them. It's not like they lose all self-control. <laughs> but joyfulness will make you Generous, right? It's reciprocal. Just generosity will make you joyful. It just will. Christmas season is a great time to teach our children about being generous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope there's no little kids in the room, but we raised our kids and taught them there was no Santa Claus. And they were in Christmas for other kids quite often, made other parents upset at us. So as typical kids do, they grew up, they're going to raise their kids different than we raised them. So their kids, we have almost six, five, and four, and a newborn, they're raising their kids to believe in Santa Claus. Oh, I can't wait till Santa comes, you know. But one of them has already began to see the fishiness in the story, the five-year-old. One day, her parent was telling her, one of her parents was saying, you better behave. Santa's making a list. He's going to check it twice. He's going to see if you're naughty or nice. If you want any prizes, you better not be bad. That's not even true, Daddy. Oops, I just revealed, revealed which one it was. <laughs> that's not even true. How can you say that's not true? Well, I was naughty last year, and I still got prizes. And I was real naughty the year before, and I still got prizes. And I know I'm still going to get prizes this year. In this opportunity to teach our kids to be generous, one Christmas we didn't have much to give them. So to get their eyes off of our neediness, we went to the VA hospital and did something there a charity group was doing. We participated and helped pull it off. And our kids had a blast. They enjoyed it. Another year, Yvette and I told them how much money we were going to spend on each of them. 
but this is a season of generosity. We'll allow each of you to determine how much we'll give to charity. We'll give away out of your portion. Well, the son was younger. He, was, he has more faith, right? Little kids have lots of faith. He was more generous than his sister. So Yvette and I took the remaining money and we shopped for both of them. I'm telling you, God is my witness. We got more stuff with less money for what the son wanted. He got more gifts than the sister. Everybody's heard of Robert Morris. When I met him, he was a security guard at Motel 6. And one Christmas, they only had two sons at this time. Their daughter had not yet been born. Two little boys, they didn't have much for Christmas. So Robert prayed and gathered the family together and says, I don't have many physical gifts, but today I feel the Lord led to give you boys spiritual gifts. And he laid hands on them, prayed for them, imparted whatever he had, God, whatever is in me, give it to them, bless them, prophesied over them to the level in proportion of the faith that he had for them. And of course, he's no longer living in that kind of condition. But those boys are serving God to this day. They're doing very, very well. So even in lack, there's an opportunity to receive from the Lord and to give for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray in the name of Jesus that we would realize how blessed we are. And Lord, may we be generous people in word and deed with our feet and our hands and our bodies and our hearts and our lives, Lord, and our resources, our stuff, Lord. May we use it for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. And now, Lord, as we continue worshiping you, I pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts to put this word in operation, in Jesus' name, amen.
you die, the day is the day of salvation to receive the free gift.